The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in 1 John. For previous messages or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. We get the privilege of finishing chapter 3 in 1 John. So if you're new with us, we have been on a journey through the book of 1 John together, and we are finishing out chapter chapter 3. And what I want to do before we get into our our text is I want us to um, get on the same page from last week. So uh, this text this morning is going to build on and just further what we talked about last week. And so I just want to set this before you. Last week, we looked at two examples. We looked at the example of hate as seen with, uh, with Cain, and we looked at the example of love, perfect love, as seen through, through Jesus. And, and John just very, very clearly says, church, don't be like Cain, who hated his brother. Don't be like that. And in fact, he says, you can expect that the world is going to hate you. You can expect that. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. But church, you should be surprised if you feel hatred in here. Because we are called to love one another, not to hate our brothers and sisters. We should not expect hatred in the family of God. Um, Instead, John says, follow after the example of Jesus. And remember, he said, Jesus, who laid down his life for us, put love on display for us, self-sacrificing, not self-preserving, self-sacrificing, not self-promoting, but it was true love, and now we get to lay down our lives for each other. Now, from that, this drove us to some really honest questions that we had to ask ourselves. Um, right, the, the idea that let me put it like this. The idea that you should love each other is not new to you. It's not controversial, controversial either. I mean, we know this. The problem is not knowing it. The problem is actually doing it, living out. And so this pushed us to ask ourselves a question. Last week, we, we, in this room, we took a moment and we just looked around and asked just the very honest question. If we're called to lay down our lives for each other, would you lay down your life for anyone in this room? Would you lay down your time? Would you lay down your money, your resources? Would you give yourself for anyone in this room? Do you know them well enough to even answer that question? Are they worth that? Um, we, we, we know we need to do this, and as we talked about last week, it's not the knowing, it's becoming masters of application. How do we live this out? And so we talked about real practical steps. From making margin in your life, with your time and your calendar, to your, your money, your budget, your resources, to, to getting better at just looking around. How do we meet needs if we're blinded to them? But, but getting better at looking around. And then lastly, we talked about just starting where we are. That this idea that you and I both know we can't fix the world, we can't fix all the problems, but you can fix one of them, right? And so we start where, where we are. Um, now, I hope that you, like me, have been wrestling with that this week. I'll be honest, my community group this week was, um, was great as we began to talk about and to live out together how we do this. So with that in mind, I want us to jump in, jump back in. We're going to start, let me start reading in verse 16, and then we'll, we'll get into our text. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that's Jesus, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods 
and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Going from there, we get to our verse, starting in verse 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. By this um, we will know. John is nothing if not persistent. If you've been with us um, for any amount of weeks, you know that it's like a broken record here. That John is encouraging this church that, that you can know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. You do not have to live in fear. You can walk in assurance. You can walk in, in confidence. Uh, if, if this isn't, this is the most prominent point in this letter. It really is. It's woven in throughout all of this at church. We don't have to live in fear. You do not have to live in fear, but you can walk in confidence. One, that you are loved by the Father. You are purchased by the Son. And you are indwelled by the Spirit. You do not have to wonder, church. Amen. You do not have to wonder. Instead, we can walk in confidence. And so John says it again. He says, by this, you will know that you are of the truth, meaning you will know that what you're believing is not a lie. What you're believing is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing, nothing but the truth. You will know that you're believing the truth. And then it says, um, by this, you will reassure your heart before him. How beautiful is that? Does anyone in this room want that? To stand before God and to have our heart in the face of fear, doubt, sin, struggles, in the face of our mess, we stand before God and our text says we reassure our heart before him. We reassure our heart before him that we are confident. I know I want that. And you know what? If, the more I think about it, if we have that, what else do we need? Like, I'm good. Like the God of the universe, I stand before him with a reassured heart. I'm good, right? We need this. We all want this. And John says, by this, we can have that. By this, in our text, we can have that. So church, we start with the question that needs to be asked and answered. What is this? By what, John? By what can we know and can we be assured? Because I want it. But by what? Well, fortunately, again, because John is, is repeating this so often in his letter, we don't have to wonder. So we look, we've read this before, but in 1 John 2, in the second chapter, you don't have to turn here, I'm just going to fly through them. And by this, again, we know that we have come to know, so we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. So we know that we know as we keep his commandments. And what is that? What does it mean to... Well, again, John lays this out. He says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And then in verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Now, I know I'm not supposed to be getting ahead, but in chapter 4, we're going to get here um, in a couple weeks, but in chapter 4, verse 19, he says, we love because he first loved us. That right there could be enough. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And then 21, verse 21 in chapter 4 makes it resoundingly clear. And this is the commandment we have from him. So we ask, what is this? This is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. 
So the command is to love one another in the same way and with the same intensity that Jesus Christ loved you, that we are to love one another. We will know that we are his because his spirit will tell us we are his as we are loving one another, right? That's how we walk in confidence. So um, before we go further, I wanna hit the pause button and I wanna make one clarification. We do this a lot, but it's important. Um, You are made his child, right? You are made his child by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Alone. That, that you, uh, he laid down his life for you, that he took what you deserve, the punishment you deserve, that you were given what you do not deserve. He made you a, a son or a daughter of God. God, we are made a child of God because God made us a child of God, right? Period. Um, we don't add to that. Nothing we do kind of, kind of takes away or nothing we don't do takes away or adds to that or works to it. Um, let me put it like this. You cannot, you're not going to be able to love each other enough to earn salvation. It's not yours to earn. You can't earn it because it has been earned already by Jesus Christ. You cannot earn it. You are a child of God because God himself adopted you and because God himself saved you. Now, John says, your confidence as a child of God can increase. Right? We're talking about the assurance of what God has done. So your confidence as a child of God can increase as we walk in the spirit and love our brothers and sisters. He says, by this, by our love for each other, right? By our love for each other, we, should know, we know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him by our love for each other. So let's continue. Verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. That's an awesome verse. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. So Let's just consider how good, how truly good this verse is, the grace that's in this verse. So, so verse 19 says that, that you can reassure your heart before him. Now, verse 20 says, and by the way, your heart will condemn you. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but a condemned heart is not the same thing, right, as a reassured heart. Um, it's not the same thing. He says, by this, by your love for each other, you can reassure your heart that you are his, because your heart will condemn you. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have a condemned heart, for your heart to condemn you? Well, in this context, church, your heart condemns you when you fail to love a brother or a sister who is in need. When you fail to walk out the command of God, when you fail to love the way Christ loved, when you have, like in verse 17, you have the means to help, but your heart is closed to that brother, your heart condemns you. When you miss it, when you miss the opportunity, when you, you just mess this one up, your heart condemns you, telling you, you mess this up, how can you be a child of God? If a child of God is supposed to be known for your love for each other, and you're sitting here and you can't even remember the last time that you selflessly loved uh, someone else, like you can't even remember that, and your heart begins to condemn you, um, last week, when we looked around the room and we asked the tough questions of, would you 
give your life? Would you give yourself? Would you give your time? Would you give your money for anyone in this room? Do you know them enough to even answer the question? As we ask those really difficult questions, um, what happened if in that moment your heart begins to condemn you a little bit? And you begin, um, um, it begins to reveal the selfishness, uh, just saying, hey, you know what? You're not really good at this whole loving thing, right? That is our heart condemning us. And what happens when your heart condemns you? Listen to this, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Um, (laughs) Verse 20, the second half. For whenever our heart condemns us, guess what? God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. So even if you're your heart is condemning you, you can reassure your heart knowing that God is greater than your heart. So God is great. Let me put this on the screen here. Um, How incredible is it to really realize that the, the truth of your salvation is not contingent on the way you currently feel about it? Right? The truth of, of your salvation is not contingent on how you feel about it. Since your salvation was a work of God, your heart is not able to condemn what's already been purchased. Your, the truth of your salvation is not contingent on the way you feel about it. Your standing with God is not contingent because your salvation is not an emotional condition. How good is that news? Your salvation is not an emotional condition. It's a divinely secured fact. It's a divinely secured fact. And in those moments when your heart condemns you, your God is bigger, better, greater. His grace is better and bigger and greater than your heart's deepest feelings. God is greater, and that is such good news. Now, what does it mean that God is really greater Right? I, I want to all unpack each of these separately, but God is greater for you and he's greater for them. Let me, let me start with God is greater for you. What I mean by this is that your greatest need is grace, right? You know you. Your greatest need is grace. When your heart condemns you, your greatest need is to know that God is greater, that his plan is greater, that his grace is better. So even in the moments when you get it wrong, even in those moments when you miss it, those moments when you fail to love the way Christ showed you how to love and told you how to love, in those moments, right, that God is greater and you can reassure your heart. Put it like this. When you fail to love, you can know and rest in complete assurance that God's love for you will never fail. Ever. Ever. Right? It will not fail. He, he is greater for you, but also, this is important, he's greater for them. Here's what I mean by that. So in those moments when you have a verse 17 moment, right, where, where, where you, you have the world, world's goods, you see a brother in need, and yet your heart is closed against him, when you have one of those verse 17 Uh, moments, your heart begins to condemn you. In moments like that, John assures this church, church, your God is greater. He's greater than your mistake. All things are in his control. He will not abandon you. And, and listen, he will not abandon that brother who you just abandoned. God is 
greater. Even though your kindness ran short, God's kindness will not run short. Even in the moments when you have messed it, God is still, you've messed it up and God is still in control. God is, God is greater for them, he's greater for you, and he, he's greater in the midst of your failure. Verse 20 is just a reminding example that you will fail at this. Notice it says, for whenever our heart condemns us. God is greater in the midst of your failure. Um, which, by the way, church, this is why it's so important for us to know truth. For us to know the truth. Um, because, uh, <laughs> let me put it like this. There, this is why it's important that we never stop just telling each other the good news of the gospel. Like ever. We just keep going with it. This is why it's important that you constantly preach to yourself the gospel. Because I promise I promise that if it has not yet happened, this will happen. There will come a moment in time when your heart will condemn you. I promise there will come a moment in time where your heart will condemn you. When, when you will not do something you knew you needed to do, when you have a verse 17 moment and there's a person in your life who you know the need, you see the need, you could probably help with that need, but your heart goes, no, no and you walk away and your heart begins to condemn you, you will have those moments, church. You will have those moments when you're wrestling with your own selfishness and sin. You will have those moments. And in these moments, it matters that you know the truth about you and the truth about your God. The truth about you is, surprise, you are a sinner. You are saved by grace through faith, perfectly forgiven through Jesus Christ. He didn't pick you to be a part of his family because of how awesome you are. He didn't. Uh, he loved you and he saved you because of how awesome he is. The truth about you is your position in the family of God is not dependent on the way you feel about it. In the same way that, that my sons, my boys, are my sons. Even if they woke up this morning saying, nope, I don't feel like it today. Those are my boys, right? In the same way, that's the truth about you. The truth about your God is that he is greater, he is wiser. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but he can be trusted. He can be trusted. We're about to get into this here, but he can be trusted. And, and by the way, I mean, we should trust him far more than we trust ourselves. I'll speak for myself. I know me and I know my track record. God is greater. God is greater. Um, I wish our services were longer. Um, I will move. Verse 21. Verse 21. Uh, Behold, if our heart does not condemn us, so now we're going to the other side, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Uh, let me ask you, have you ever been in a situation, just think about your, your past for a moment, um, where, where you, you've seen maybe a need, you've seen something, and you know, you're in a tough season on your own. You don't really have a lot to give. Oh, man, your heart stirs, and you, you want to do something. So you just step up, and you try to, to love a brother or a sister who's in need. Um, you just make the decision, I'm going to step in. Well, let me, let me tell you a story. Um, so I'll never forget the example that I had growing up. Uh, my parents my mom, my dad, are some of the most generous people that you'll ever meet. In fact, it, 
it, it doesn't make sense, the things that they would do. Uh, multiple times, my parents would give away vehicles. I said multiple times they would give away vehicles. Like, and, and it's not that they were rolling. Like, my dad wasn't driving a Bentley. In fact, our car was constantly breaking down. But yet, we were constantly giving away vehicles. Right? I, I, I haven't asked this. I need to. But I wonder how those conversations went between my parents. Like, honey, we need to give that dude a car. Like, I wonder how that went. I wonder who looked at who weird in those moments. But, but it was sacrificial. And I remember as I watched my parents, I knew the backstory. I knew that it wasn't easy. And they would step up and they would sacrificially give. And I remember to this day, the moments that I think back on and see God's hands most clearly, tangibly working, are those moments. The moments when our family, my dad, I mean, I remember driving the car we were giving um, over to, this, to this, this person. I remember those moments. They, they have stuck with me because it showed me um, what it's like to step in and sacrificially give. Which, by the way, this is a side note, but parents, your children are learning what it means to be generous from you. What are they learning? What are they learning? Because I honestly, those moments have marked me. It, it, it was amazing to know that in those moments when you give and you step up, even when it doesn't make sense on the world standards, I mean, he could have sold that car, made enough money to fix his current car, but he didn't. And in those moments when it just doesn't, we don't live the way the world lives, it just stuck with me because I know that God never leaves us in those moments. Um, listen to this. In verse 21, if, if our heart does not condemn us, so in context, when is our heart not condemning us? Well, it's the moments that you see a need and you step in to help meet that need, right? And now what happens? We have confidence before God. So I have to ask, what does that mean? It means that our confidence and our faith in God will grow as we are obedient to him and we rely on him. Our confidence and our faith are going to grow the more we rely on him. Hear me, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, I want you to hear this. I am convinced, and I won't, I won't speak for the world. I'm going to speak for our community, all right? I am convinced that we struggle in our faith and our confidence in God because too often nothing in our life requires it. We struggle in our, in our faith, and our confidence, our dependence, we struggle with this because nothing in our lives require us to, to have dependence, to have faith, to be confident. Like nothing in our life drives us, requires it. Maybe you can relate, but I've noticed too often that I live my life the best that I can in my box of my own strength. And what I can bring to the table. Uh, too often, um, my life makes too much sense to someone who doesn't know Jesus. When they ask me about my life and I give them my life story, where I'm going, my goals, if that makes perfect sense to an, to an unbelieving person, that's a sign. That's a sign. There might be problems here. Uh, I'll put it like this. Um, too often, 
I live my life far too safe. Right? We love safety in our community. We love it. It's one of our deepest values is to be safe, safe, safe. But if nothing in your life requires fervent prayer, then we should not be surprised when we struggle so much to pray. Uh, if, if nothing in your life drives your dependence on God, if nothing drives you towards dependence, is there any wonder why we start losing sight of how important God really is in our life? If you're never desperate for God to show up in your life, is there any wonder why you're not desperate for God? This is why those moments sometimes of, of tragedy in life are the moments we look back on and we realize, God, you are faithful, you are good. And it was those moments that we had to depend on him. In fervent prayer, and those are the moments. And we look back on and God shows up. But if we live our lives, imagine, if we lived our lives in such a way that we were absolutely dependent on God. I mean, radical love, radical generosity. As our verse says, we have confidence before God. Now listen, verse 22, in whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So think about this verse in context. Whatever you ask, you receive. Not for your prosperity, not for your own good. This isn't like a God is my cosmic ATM machine moment here, right? That's not what this verse says. But this in context is whatever you ask, you receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And what is that in context? Again, loving one another. Loving one another. When you are loving one another, when you are following the example of Christ, giving yourself sacrificially for others, you will be dependent on him, fervently praying. And when you do, God will not leave you without the resources. I promise he will not leave you resourceless as you're trying to love your brother and your sister well. He will supply your need as you supply the needs for others. Does that make sense? This is not a God, you know, give me all the things that I desire moment. This is a God, I don't know how I can help but you can show me, and you can come through. That's what this, this is, and you will be blessed in the process, changed in the process. Um, this isn't one of those things, and I'm, I apologize if this has been told to you, but like one of these things where you're like, if you give $100 to the church today, here in a couple weeks, you're gonna get 200, right? God's not like an investment deal thing going on financially. Let me put it like this. So when you step up, when you give sacrificially, the promise is not that your bank account will grow. The promise is that your confidence in Christ will grow. So when you step up and you give sacrificially, the promise is not financially that it's going to be awesome for you. No, the, pro the, the promise is that your confidence in Jesus Christ is going to grow. Your heart will be reassured before him. You will be confident. And as I said, if you have that, you need nothing else. Your heart 
and your confidence for Christ will grow. You are not abandoned. You are not left alone. But when we step in and to be used by God, don't be surprised when all of a sudden you see doubts leaving and your confidence and your assurance in who you are as a, as a follower of Jesus begins to grow and blossom. You don't want safe. You don't want safe. Safety is so overrated, it's not even real. It's not even real, but yet we dedicate our life to safe. And it, it, God's not safe. Jesus isn't safe, and he didn't call us to safety. He called us, take up your cross and die. There's nothing safe about that. God is not safe. Um, okay, so I love C.S. Lewis. And recently, I just got the joy of reading for the first time The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with my boys. There's a quote in here I've got to read. I don't normally bring fiction book quotes, so if you're new with us, anyway. Um, in this story, Aslan, who is the lion, who is the Jesus figure, if you haven't read this, read it again through the lens of the gospel. It's amazing. Um, but the lion, Aslan, he's, kinda, he's the Jesus figure in this, in this story. And when asked if the lion was safe, I love this. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he is not safe, but he is good. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. Our God is not safe, but he is good. And maybe you're here this morning and God is calling you to step out. Maybe you know someone in your life that God's calling you to show his love to. You see the need and you want to do something, but it seems so, there's fear because you don't know how you can possibly step in. You know that it wouldn't be safe. You know that it would, be, it would not be easy, and you know that it would require God's help. Let me read this again to encourage you. Love, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And what Ever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Church, I don't know how you're going to meet those needs. Ask him. Ask him. If you believe, do you believe this verse? No. Someone, do you believe this verse? Because if you do, it calls you to place your trust knowing that when you don't have the resources, he does. Um, let, me, let me read this. I want to finish our, our text. It says, and this is his commandment. So we're back to that again. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that we, and that we love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Believe in Christ and love one another. How beautifully simple is that? Believe in Christ and love one another. So I want to, I'll say this and then let me, um, let me explain what I mean, okay? Okay. Two lines here. 
First, attempting to love one another while rejecting Christ will lead you to a life and eternity apart from God. Attempting to love one another while rejecting Christ will lead you to a life and eternity apart from God. Second part, while having a belief in Christ while not loving one another will lead you to a life of doubt and lack of confidence. So let me, let me unpack this real quick, that first statement. Attempting to love one another while rejecting Christ will lead you to a life and eternity apart from God. So again, we started with this. It's good to clarify again. You cannot love your way to heaven. You cannot love your way to heaven. It's the Father's love seen and demonstrated through Jesus Christ that gets you to heaven. You can't love your way there. Jesus Christ is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. So John says, believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Your charity and your love for each other does not save you. In fact, it doesn't even make you more savable. Your love for each other, think of it like this, is, is simply an overflow of God's love that he showed you. Like, remember, you know, when I got ahead, and I shouldn't have, it says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And so John reminds us, place your trust in Jesus. He is the way, our hope, our everything, and we know love when we know Jesus. Now, the second statement, which is where I want, to, I want to end on. Having a belief in Christ while not loving one another will lead you to a life of doubt and a lack of confidence. So, let me be honest. Believing in Christ while ignoring everything Christ said is super confusing. Can we agree on that one? Super confusing. To believe in him, yet ignore him. And as we've said already this morning, our confidence, our assurance, our heart, as our text says, is reassured as we follow Christ's example of love and as we follow Christ's command of love, that we love each other. Your love for one another can and will bring your heart confidence in the work that Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. If you look at your life and, and there is doubt and there is fear and there is no confidence, Jesus says that the path to confidence is found when you believe in Christ and love one another. Believe in Christ and love one another. Um, your love for each other provides your heart with confidence. How amazing is that? While, let's look at the opposite, while your lack of love replaces that confidence with, as the text says, condemnation. Right? That, that your love for one another will bring your heart confidence in the work of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to end with this because John's call here is absolutely universal. Meaning no matter who you are, where you're from, what brought you to this room, that we are all on the same level here. Um, believe Christ and love one another. Some of you are here and you do not yet know Christ. 
you have not placed your trust in him. The call here, believe in Christ and love one another. If that is you, first of all, I want to welcome you here. You are always welcome here. My hope is that in our time together this morning, you've seen two things. One, you've seen the beauty of our Savior. And two, that you have seen the beauty of the family that he's called you into. Because not only, I mean, I can talk all day about how incredible Jesus is. But church, we can also talk all day about how beautiful it is to be a part of his family. That you're in a family that is called to love each other, and that's the family he's invited you into. Some of you are here, though, and your heart is filled with doubt. You're just here, and you have doubt in your heart. Um, We together can all say that we know that seasons of doubt are ahead. Some of you are here, and you, you know that God is calling you to engage, right? Some of you are here, and for too long, you have been on the sidelines, for too long, you've been on the sidelines, not just in this church, but in the community. You, you've been on the sidelines. You don't know people. You don't know how to help. You don't know how to engage. You've been sidelined. And for so many of us, it's time to engage. Some of you are here and you are tired and you are weary. Maybe you are here and you've been hurt. Notice I did not promise that as we step up and try to love each other, that it's going to be free from hurt. Some of you are here and you've been hurt and you are tired. And the encouragement is don't grow tired and weary of doing good. Because in due time, there will be a harvest for those who do not quit. Some of you are here and uh, without even knowing it, you don't even know how this happened. You look at your life and it is the most safe life you have ever seen. There is not one area that you are in need of God to show up in. You're not asking for him to use you in some way that needs his help. You're not. Your life is so wonderfully safe. And God wants to break that down. Some of you are here and maybe you're like me and God is just showing me all the ways that I am so often so selfish. Wherever you are, whoever you are, the call from our text is so beautifully and wonderfully simple. Believe in Christ and love one another. Believe in Christ and love one another. Love God and love others. And so in light of that, as we close, I want to read this to you. Uh, these are, these are Jesus' words here. Um, Jesus' words, and what he's doing is he's boiling down every command, every command. He's asked to boil it all down and said, what's the most important one? And so what Jesus is doing is taking everything, all the commands, boiling it down to the thing, the most important command. So if Jesus does this, let's go ahead and read it, all right? So, So Matthew says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here's Jesus' response, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second, or this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law 
and the prophets. Church, Christianity is boiled down to this. It hinges on this. Jesus says, on this depend all the law, all the prophets, that we love God, love others, believe in Christ, and love one another. We start here. We finish here. We stand on this. This is essential Christianity. Believe in Christ and love one another. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for 1 John. I thank you for what you have already said and what you have already done in our time together through this incredible book. And God, I just want to stop and thank you for the moments that we feel your conviction in our hearts. Those moments when our hearts are just stirred. And when you bring conviction and when you show us areas that you want to see us change and step into. And, and I pray for every one of us in this room right now. For every one of us in this room, no matter who we are, where we are, that you would open our eyes to see you. God, that you would open our eyes to see you. We're not playing church We're not playing religion, but you are a real God. And you have called us into a real relationship. And you have called us on a real mission. God, and show us how we can step into that. For some of us in this room and for uh, for those in this room who, who have, they don't yet know you, I pray that you open their heart to how good you are to your love, to your grace, to your mercy. God, for, all, for those of us here in the room who, who know you yet, we're, we're sitting with a condemned heart. God, show us your grace and your mercy that you are greater and you know all things. And for those of us in the room who, who, are, who are wondering, God, how, how can we live this out? I pray that you provide direction and clarity for how we can tangibly apply this truth and how we can tangibly step in and help a brother or a sister who is in need. God, give us eyes to see not only you, but those around us. Help us have eyes to see not only who you have called us to be, but what you have called us to do for your glory. And God, in this, we, we, do, we do this for your glory, not our own. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.